It's time now for Upon Further Review with your host, Josh Norman, here on WJQS The Fan. Welcome in. Upon Further Review here on 106.3 FM, 1400 AM. Maybe you're listening online, WJQSTheFan.com, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, the TuneIn Radio app, among other places that you can find us wherever you are. We appreciate you joining us once again on a Monday night, 6 to 8 p.m. We are in the Garner Dental Group Studios. Garner Dental Group is a collection of 18 dental and orthodontic offices conveniently located across Mississippi. Complimentary whitening for new hygiene patients is available. Check out the interactive map at www.lakegarnerdentalgroup.com or call 601 601- Two seven eight seven one zero to find one of their five metro locations or others across the state and region. Most insurance, Medicare, and care credit are accepted. So get in and get your mouth healthy at Garner Dental. You can join us in the show by calling in to the listener line, 601-366-1180. We would love to hear from you, or you can shoot us a text, 601-817-0106. Both our caller line and text line are brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. www.bcbsms.com. Want to welcome in Bill on the board. Bill, how are we doing this evening? Doing good. Uh, getting another week started here. There you go. There you go. It's always... Always a good time to be joining in on a Monday night. You know, maybe the day's been long. It's a new week. Kids are in school. Uh, routines are off. Whatever it may be, uh, take a few minutes here to enjoy the show and uh, relax. It's going to be a fun show tonight. We've got a we've got a great show in store. I'm excited about having Devin Cooper, the head football coach at Northwest Rankin. Joining us uh, at the in the sixteen six fifteen uh, segment, so our next segment. Um, then we'll talk from seven to eight. We will welcome in Scott Vaughn, an advanced scout for the Golden State Warriors, and we will talk all things basketball. He's got a great resume. Uh, he's been at the high school level, the collegiate level, uh, and he's been in the NBA since two thousand and eight both as a scout and an assistant coach. So we'll talk all things basketball with him. Uh, He'll spend the entire second hour with us. So you will not want to miss that. We uh, encourage you to uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We're going to get things kicked off with uh, something that, you know, listen, we're in a unique time. Everything that we do, everything that we say, is put for the public to consume either on television, maybe it's radio, maybe it's social media, probably for most social media. But the viewpoints of people, uh, we are now under a microscope as a society. And so, therefore, we are living our lives under that microscope. And for some... It doesn't bring out the worst. For others, it does. 
For some, it magnifies the skeletons in the closet. For others, it's utilized in, in different ways. But what I've seen taking place, and I've heard some owners in the NFL, some coaches in the NFL, we're, we're talking about a new taunting rule that's in place in the NFL. And I've seen some training camps. I'm sure you guys have seen the the videos of different fights breaking out. And if you've covered sports, that's nothing new. Uh, fights are nothing new to training camps. They're nothing new to um, uh, sports in general. It happens. Now, the fights in the stands, uh, there's a documentary out called, um, oh, shoot, um, something mayhem. It's about the Detroit Pistons, Bill. Um, and it's their arena, and I, I, it has just completely slipped my mind. But you remember when the uh, it, it all started with something being thrown from the stands, and yeah. it was uh, it, it was it was the uh, the melee of the uh, of the palace or something to that palace mayhem, whatever it is. And there's a documentary now about that. But you know those moments used to be less than they are today. But I think more importantly. Those moments now are captured on social media. They're captured in so many different environments. Um, And it's all public. So those fights are now always on the news. And it seems that those things are dominating what we're discussing. And what I want my point to become here is the way that this has trickled down to the high school game. So I broadcast high school football. Uh, I watch a lot of broadcasts on high school football. I watch the playbacks of high school football. And and one of the things that I notice, and it drives me crazy, but but it happens all too often. Taunting has become so accepted that a team that's down 30 points will have a player that makes an average play, but will stand over the other player as if he just won the Super Bowl or leveled out the greatest hit in history uh, and and taunt that player. And I thought, I thought to myself, I mean, this would have never happened 30 years ago, would it? You know, where, where every hit you make, you have to walk over the player or stand over the player or somehow try to try to get your flex on there and 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 it has become a situation where it's it's just about every play seems like it has the potential to be an explosive situation because we watch coaches and we watch parents that that see their kids behave in this way and there's no change and then they get into college in the NFL and we see these fights break out and now we have an ownership group over you know in a in a in a, in a organization the NFL that's that's over this behemoth of of a sport, and they're having to create rules for taunting to a bunch of grown men. And I sit there and I think to myself, you know, there's no wonder that our kids that are on these high school fields every every Friday night that that they are standing over a player as if they just did something. When in reality, they just did their job. And I, I I talked to my oldest son about this, and I said, I said, buddy, the reason 
that this bothers me is because acts like that promote self. They don't promote team. They're trying to bring recognition to self. And when you get a 15-yard penalty because an official catches you with it, you have just hurt team. And that's what sports are about. They're about team. But we've become a culture that all we want somebody to do is look at us. And so everything that we do is about bringing the light, the spotlight on us as individuals. And we're learning that at the professional level, and it's trickling down to high school athletics. High school athletes, you don't trust me. A college football coach is going to see the hit. I promise you. I promise you they're going to see it. And if it's big time, they're going to take note of it. But I'll promise you this too. If they turn around and see a bunch of extracurricular activity, they're going to take note of that. Not saying they're not going to recruit you. But they're going to take note of that because if they have a young man that hits equally as hard, plays equally as hard, and doesn't, involve themselves in all the extracurricular, I guarantee you nine times out of ten, they're going with the guy that can have the equal talent and the equal uh, 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 play, but at the end of the day, they don't have to deal with all the other drama because all that taunting is drama. I, I watch as, as, as it seems like every play, there's somebody standing over somebody. Drives me nuts. You know, and who normally gets caught? What do you teach your kids? It's normally the person that retaliates that's going to get caught. And so you have all these agitators that that are taught that this is the way to behave instead of applying the hit. Their teammates get them up, give them a a five or bump, whatever it is, and then they get back and they're ready to play again. And it makes it even worse when you're down 30. What are you doing? You're down 30. Get back in there and play and stop all this other mess. That's my soapbox and my opening monologue for all the taunting and mess that takes place. Just play. That's all we want to do. Let's just play. Coming up next, we've got Devin Cooper from Northwest Rankin High School. He's their head football coach, and he will be joining us here on Upon Further Review next. Welcome back in. Upon further review, I am your host, Josh Dorman. We are on 106.3 FM, The Fan, and 1400 AM. We appreciate you joining us, and we are thankful to have Devin Cooper, newly hired head football coach, was hired back in February by Northwest Rankin High School. He spent uh, three years at Scott Central, where he had a 35-6 and record, Won the 2A state championship in 2018, I believe. And prior to that was with Clinton High School under Judd Boswell uh, for six years where they won a 6A state title in 2016 where you served as a defensive coordinator. 
Coach, how you doing this evening? Man, doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, no doubt, man, no doubt. So uh, tell me what's going on down there in Rankin County and uh, how things are, are progressing as you move toward, towards uh, an opening uh, opening Friday night in your first year at Northwest Rankin. Yeah, man, things are going great. Uh, great area, man. I really have enjoyed uh, getting over here with my family and this uh, this this area, this community, this school. They've accepted us uh, with wide open arms. And, uh, man, what a great place, great administration here, uh, people trying to do things right, man. Got a, a lot of things happening over around this area, especially with the, the school, brand-new school that's been built. Um, you know, they're doing everything right to make this the place that any students should want to come and spend their athletic or their school career uh, man uh but yeah we're we're excited we're getting on the field we're playing ball we got a really young group this year um uh, we got a few veterans on the team and man uh we got a good kids though they're working hard they've had a great summer and uh man we're, we're excited to be playing ball we've got a lot of growing up to do this year and you know we we got to do it quickly because there's an expectation we're gonna do our best to meet it Talk about, uh, Coach, I, I ask every coach that comes on the show uh, to talk about the culture that you want to create. And yeah. you're in year one, so you have a blank slate. Uh, what kind of culture do you want to create down there off Highway, highway 25 and, yeah. and your football program? Yeah, man, look, uh, you know, I I just kind of, with the, the coaches I've been around and how I was coaching high school ball and played college ball, and you kind of take things that, and you grow yourself into what you know is important. And, man, I tell you something, we preach to our kids and we talk culture. We kind of got a few hit points, and we want to be physical. We want to be hardworking, and we want to have a great brotherhood. Uh, you know, if you do those things, a lot of things, can, you can you can change those words, however, with a lot of different teams. But that's kind of three that we buy into and we talk about, and that's, that's what we want to make sure that, we instill in these kids, and, uh, you know, a lot of them have that in them. Uh, there's been a great staff that was here before us, and we kept a lot of those guys. Uh, Coach Collins did a great job while he was here. And, uh, you know, we got the two coordinators that I have were here with Coach Collins, and they stayed with us. And, man, with Coach Leathers and Coach Rival, and, uh, you know, you got, got a lot of good guys as far as coaches in the room, and uh, they, they buy into it. They know what we want to do. And, uh, man, it – the program's in really good hands, real good shape as far as having a good staff. And, uh, man, it, we want to, we want these kids, though, to know first and foremost, it's the game of football, you got to be willing to be physical. And you got to be a hard-working group and let that brotherhood come together where they, they play for play for a team and not just an individual purpose. Hmm. You know, I don't know if you heard the opening monologue here of the show, but I, I talked about the, the new taunting rule in the NFL and what I've seen in high school football and uh, that's interesting you say that because a lot of that taunting and stuff, extracurricular stuff that goes on is about self and not about team, and, and we encourage uh, the team uh, atmosphere. Talk about or expound on what what the great brotherhood uh, there with Northwest Rankin football that you want to create. What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, it starts with love, man. Uh, you got it's for coaches. we got to show them we're loving our kids. Our administration loves our kids. Our teachers love them. Um, we want them to know their love, and you want them to love their brother. And, uh, when, you know, when you work hard together and you do the other two things that come with that in that in that culture we talk about, when you work hard together, you sweat together, and you, you put enough work in, you, you learn to uh, respect it. And uh, when it, with that respect, it's a form of love and respecting your brother and what he's put in along beside you. When you know that guy sweated beside you, you know he's worked hard with you. 
um, you know, you tend to create a bond there that, that can't be touched that carries well past football. You know, it's, that's just one of them life lessons. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing with brotherhood is learning to love your brother and uh, learning to, to fight for your brother. You get out here and practice and you battle with each other, but then it's just like having a brother at home. You know, nobody picks on your brother type of attitude. When you go on the field, you're in it together. And uh, brothers know each other like, like no other, right? So, yeah. I mean, you can preach those things. You, you should know you should know what your brother's up to, what he's doing. You should know his role. He should know yours. And you work together to do your job. And, you know, a lot of little things you can build underneath the work of brotherhood. But yeah. uh, I think the number one thing is teaching them is that, is that word love. And, yeah. you know, they, they hear it from their coaches. We make sure they know we love them. They make sure we that they know we're here for. That's all. You know, football and outside. Yeah, for sure. All right, talk about on the field. What can we expect to see from the Cougars this year, offensively and defensively? I think offensively, you start with that. You're going to you're going to have to see a team that can run the ball and uh, you know throw throw when needed. We we would love to be you know be able to be perfectly balanced, but you know it's we've got to we've got to get there got a young quarterback that we believe in, a kid that we believe we're excited about. We think that he's going to do good things for us, and uh, I believe he will. And But we know we got some veterans as far as running backs, and we got to lean on them guys a little bit and run the football. And we've got a, got a couple good receivers and a few good guys we can get the ball to. Uh, but a lot of it, the, the pass game is going to be slightly behind and got to get there because you've got some inexperience. But uh, defensively, I think, you know, on that end of the football, they've really got to – I, my expectation is every game for those guys to just get better and better at knowing their job and working together. When you have a, I mean, we have three returners on defense, so those guys are having to learn how to work together, having yeah. to learn how to win together, how to battle together, not you know do your job, not somebody else's. And uh, you know, that, I I think our expectation defensively is we make sure every day we come to practice and every day you know both sides of the ball that we're getting a little bit better at who we are. Yeah. Uh, talk about, let's see, you got Friday night. You welcome uh, the Ridgeland Titans to uh, Cougar Field. And yeah. uh, Teddy Dice and his fighting Titans will mm-hmm. come over across town. And, and, yeah. and Coach, that's the one non-6A game on your schedule. Every other yeah. game yeah. I see on your schedule is a 6A game unless I'm missing something. So uh, yeah. you've certainly uh, challenged your kids with the schedule, both – with your non-conference, including Meridian, Madison Central, and Clinton, but your 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 conference, your region is is uh, tough. We talked to Pearl's coach Hunter uh, a couple weeks ago, and we talked about yeah. that conference. But uh, talk about what to expect, what you're looking at uh, with Ridgeland coming in Friday night, and and uh, getting this thing kicked off for you guys. Yeah, man. Uh, look, you, you know, coming to the door of Ridgeland, that you're getting a very athletic team. Uh, they've got a receiver that is. And uh, I think Aiden, uh, he, he he is extremely, extremely athletic, phenomenal kid. I think he's one of the best receivers um, in the state, if not the best. And he, he Man, he's really, really good. We know that coming to the door, he's a kid that we better know where he's at and we better uh, make sure we understand how important it is that, that you're going to have to slow him down. I don't know that you can stop that kid completely. You're going to have to slow him down the best you can. Um but Ridgeland, man, well, you know they're going to be well coached. Coach uh, Teddy Dias, he's man, he's proven himself. He, you know he knows what he's doing. He's going to have those kids ready. And, uh, you know, we know on our end that I just preaching our kids that we got to make sure we know who we are, get better at ourselves, and at the same time learn to learn the game plan, learn, yeah. learn your opponent. And uh, hopefully we can 
hopefully we can get in there and do things do things really well and execute at a high level and that's going to be our expectation you know we, we know we got to be really sound and you got to be in the right places because it's not a kid like like kids number one Aiden that, man that kid can he can really go you're going to have to be in the right places and make some really big plays to, to hold him back, hold him and that team back. They're, they're very athletic. Not just him. He's got a receiving core. I think he's very athletic. Yeah, they've. Uh, I've heard a lot about that young man. Uh, and certainly, um, you know, I don't know all. I've, uh, Coach Dice joined us a, a few weeks back as well. Uh, so that should be a great matchup that will take place at Cougar Field Friday night yes. at 7 p.m. That will open mm-hmm. the Devin Cooper area over at uh, Northwest Rankin. And, Coach, we certainly appreciate you taking a few minutes tonight to join us and talk about your football program. We wish you great success uh, this year yes, and hope to have you back on in the near future. Sounds good, man. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Coach. That's Coach Devin Cooper uh, in his first year at Northwest Rankin High School over off of Highway 25. And, uh, boy, I mentioned that schedule. They opened up with Ridge. They opened up with Ridgeland Friday night. Then they go to Clinton. They welcome Madison Central. They have an open date, then they go to Meridian, and then they start Region 4 6A play, which includes Terry, Warren Central, Petal, Pearl, Brandon, and Oak Grove. Uh, so a gauntlet of a schedule for Coach Cooper and his Cougars, but he'll have them those guys ready to go, and we certainly appreciate him taking some time to join us. We do want to also remind you about Jerry Brewer. Jerry Brewer is a trusted choice advisor with – Southern Gulf States Insurance. Contact Jerry at 601-952-3525 or at southerngulfstates.com. In our next segment, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, NFL rookie quarterbacks. And uh, there's certainly been some some big hits. There's been a lot of uh, movement. There's been some... Some players that have done a, a, a very good job. There's been some others that have struggled a little bit. But we're going to talk some NFL rookie quarterbacks. And uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about Shakari Richardson. And, boy, I don't know if you saw that race, Bill, but there was a lot of talk for somebody to place ninth and come in last. So we'll do that and more coming back with more upon further review right after this. radio station on the radio.com app discover and enjoy your favorite music news and talk radio from live stations across the country listen anywhere on all mobile and home devices all free with the radio.com app listen to this radio station on the radio.com app discover and enjoy your favorite music news and talk radio from live stations across the country listen anywhere on all mobile and home devices all free with the radio.com happen Welcome back to Upon Further Review with Josh Dorman. Call us on our caller line at 601-366-1180. 
Welcome back in. Want to thank Devin Cooper with Northwest Rankin High School, head football coach, for joining us in the previous segment, talking all things Northwest Rankin football. Uh, also want to take this opportunity to remind each of you about the different programming that airs on the Alpha Media family of stations. Uh, MRA football airs on 105.9 The Zone. Uh, that's the ESPN affiliate. Clinton football on 96.9 WJNT. And Brandon football here on this sta- station, WJQS. In addition, the Bellhaven Blazers are on 96.9 WJNT. Mississippi State football on WRKS 105.9 The Zone, ESPN affiliate. And Alabama Crimson Tide football on WJQS 106.3, this station. In addition to those, the NFL Sunday doubleheaders are on WRKS and WJQS starting with the first week of the NFL regular season. So uh, we are getting into that time, Bill, where there's a lot of programming on Friday night, Saturdays with high school and college football. Yeah, you get into those Alabama-Mississippi State games, and they have the pregames are three hours long, and the game is about three hours, and the postgame is three hours long. So you're talking about nine hours. A lot of programming. Once you get into the football. A lot of programming yep. that goes into that. So uh, full slate that you can catch on the Alpha Media uh, sports stations, and uh, we encourage you to tune in to those when you have the opportunity. Um, so want to quickly... We're going to talk just a second about Shikari Richardson. Uh, I don't know if things can be any worse when, uh, you know, obviously you you can you can uh, question the suspension, you know, for uh, I would I from what's been reported is uh, marijuana use, a failed drug test uh, for marijuana. But uh, but that young lady was she's 21 years old and she was uh, absolutely on fire, and so the suspension happens. Uh, big race this past weekend takes place. She is in there with uh, with the three medalists from the Olympics, among others, um, and quickly finishes dead last and runs a half a second slower uh, than she did before. Uh, unfortunate circumstances, but uh, you know what's unique is sometimes you just have to take your medicine and and move on. And certainly, there's you, you know there's a lot of people. Um, uh, uh, hammering her on social media, but at the end of the day, you know, hopefully this young lady can get her bearings back because that's a in a ninety day period to fall that fast. Uh, you just hope she can hang in there and come back and and be what she's capable of being. Speaking of being what they're capable of being, one of the I, I don't pay attention to NFL preseason. I'll just be honest with you, but there's a there's a big. Uh, piece to this preseason that includes multiple potential starting quarterbacks that are rookies. And uh, so we're going to go down through some stat lines and uh, and talk about a few of those. Now, keep in mind, Trevor Lawrence plays tonight as uh, they are taking on the Saints, which there's a quarterback battle between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston uh, that's taking place there in New Orleans as well. So we'll see who wins that out. But when you look at rookie quarterbacks, uh, we're going to take five. You know, obviously, they haven't named Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Urban Meyer has been very, uh, very high on Minshew. 
I think Trevor Lawrence still starts. Uh, I don't think you take him uh, number one overall. I don't think you bring in Urban Meyer as his coach to groom him for him to sit on the bench. Uh, is that best? That's arguable. You can argue that point that maybe let Minshew play a few games, let Lawrence kind of work his way in, but I just don't see that happening. Let's take four others, though, and let's look at them and, and their situations and break them down. Justin Fields was 9 of 19, 80 yards, also had 46 rushing yards. Uh, he's gonna you're, you're, he's, you're going to get from him the inconsistency, the up-and-down uh, play that's typical of rookies. In my opinion, you have Andy Dalton there, and he came out, uh, and what a moment of leadership by Justin Fields. Andy Dalton came out and uh, said that he expects to be the starter. It's his time. Um, Justin Fields, something happened in the in the stands. Maybe they booed him, and and basically Justin booed uh, Andy Dalton. Justin Fields comes out and says, "Hey, that's not right. Um, you know, it's disrespectful. He's earned the opportunity to be here. You know, and it was a great moment of leadership. I think he probably did more in that statement to win the locker room." than he probably could have done on the field at any point during the preseason. So good on him for taking that leadership role. I think in Justin Fields' case, because of the the, the dynamic ability to run and throw it, because of some different packaging, I believe that it's probably best to go Andy Dalton and that you'll see sometime in the season the switch from Dalton to uh, fields. There's a couple points there. Number one, you've got to look at offensive lines and and you've got to know that whoever plays quarterback, and if you saw the the hit that Fields took last weekend, it was big time. Knocked his helmet off. Um Andy Dalton just right now is more prepared physically to endure some of those uh some of those beatings. The the other part to that is you don't want Justin Fields to get antsy in the pocket and, and, and just automatically becoming a running quarterback, it puts his long-term health at risk. So in Chicago, I say Andy Dalton starts it out. Uh, how long that progresses will depend on their success, but at some point during the year, I would predict that Justin Fields takes over. Trey Lance, 49ers, 8 for 14, 102 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. If you remember, we broke him down last week and his completion uh, percentage, he was 6 of 14 last week. This this week, he's 8 of 14. You know, you say, well, you know, it's only two completions. Yeah, but from a percentage basis, you're below 50% to you're almost 60%. And and what you want in the NFL is you want a 60% completion percentage. Uh, so, certainly improved in that way. Still has to get comfortable in the pocket. I don't think there's any way Trey Lance starts over Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. Uh I think that at some point during the year, Garoppolo probably has an injury setback, and we will see Trey Lance in that moment, um, and he will he will have his opportunities. Matt Jones from the Patriots, 13 of 19 for 146 yards. There is no electricity to his game. He is fundamentally – I, I kind of think to him – I know people want to make the analogy about Tom Brady, but uh, I also go to a guy like Tim Duncan. You know, Tim Duncan in the NBA, he wasn't flashy. He he used the glass a lot. He, he wasn't going to, to give you all the highlight reels, but what he was going to do is he's going to be consistent. 
He was going to work hard, and he was going to know exactly what needed to be done on the court. I say Mac Jones is the same way. I think that I would still go Cam Newton. And the reason for that is I think that Cam Newton is going to be more comfortable in this offense. I think that Cam Newton can push it down the field, and I think his ability to run the football will be a positive for the Patriots. But that one's close. I would say that right now that thing's got to be neck and neck, but I still think I would give the nod to Cam Newton, let Mac Jones continue to learn. The starting quarterback that of a rookie that's going to start is going to be Zach Wilson for the Jets. 9 of 11, 128 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I, look, great performance, but the reason he's going to start is because you don't even know who his backups are. <laughs> I think his backup was a, was a fourth-round pick a couple years ago, somebody that, that, that we don't even know. Uh, that young man is going to start in in in, uh, in New York. Is that best for him? I don't know, but he's in there, and uh, and he's about to uh, to get after it and get it done. So a uh, little breakdown of NFL quarterbacks, some some rookies there, five of the top rookies, and uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see what they do. We will be back mo- with more upon further review coming up right after this. Welcome back in. Upon further review, we are in the Garner Dental Group studios. Garner Dental Group is a collection of 18 dental and orthodontic offices conveniently located across Mississippi. Complimentary whitening for new hygiene patients is available. Check out the interactive map or visit LakeGarnerDentalGroup.com. Call 601-271-8710 to find one of their five metro locations or others across the state and region. Also want to remind you, we are brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. www.bcbsms.com. Also want to remind you about the Randy Watkins Golf Group. Uh, RandyWatkinsGolf.com. RandyWatkinsGolf.com. They will actually be hosting the uh, first stage of Q School. A regional uh, stage of of the first round of Q School, first stage, this week at Lake Caroline. Uh, So an awesome event taking place out there. Uh, Some young uh, golfers, professional golfers, looking to make their way onto the Corn Ferry Tour uh, as the Q School now leads directly to the Corn Ferry Tour. So that should be a lot of fun out at Lake Caroline. They've got the, the course in beautiful shape. Again, that's Randy Watkins Golf Dot com And just a, a reminder, Randy joins us the first Monday of every month for T Degree with Tea to Green with Randy Watkins. We talk all things golf. We will have him join us either next Monday or it will be the second Monday of September, which is September the 6th as, uh, excuse me, September the 13th as uh, we will be um, off for Labor Day on the 6th. So, randywatkinsgolf.com. Make sure you check them out and see what they've got going on at Lake Caroline, Whisper Lake, 
and Patrick Farms. Did a little review of some rookie quarterbacks last segment. And speaking of quarterbacks, I want to we, – we had Coach McClendon, John Reed McClendon from Greenville Christian on last week to discuss their uh, 58-32 victory over two-time defending 6A state champion Madison Ridgeland Academy. And we mentioned that they played Jackson Prep, who had won the previous seven 6A state titles prior to MRA winning their two. And uh, they had them last Friday night. And, well, I'm going to tell you something. This Greenville Christian Saints team is the absolute real deal. And their quarterback, DJ Smith, is, uh, is, is, is putting up unbelievable numbers right now. Uh, DJ in the... Um, 48-13 victory over Jackson Prep. That's at Jackson Prep now. 48-13. Um, he threw for 589 yards and six touchdowns at Jackson Prep. That doesn't just happen every year. Jackson Prep, uh, that was the first time that I can remember that I've seen a running clock for a Jackson Prep football game. They were in a running clock in the fourth quarter as they just, Greenville Christian just dominated. The 593 yards in the air was on 27 of 39 pass completions, and it was four yards short, if I'm not mistaken, of the 593-yard record that was set by MRA's Phillip Short which also occurred against Jackson Prep in 2019 state championship game, and that's according to Robert Wilson and Mississippi Scoreboard. We had Robert on uh, several weeks back, and I would encourage you, if you don't follow him, you can follow him on Twitter, Facebook, or online, MississippiScoreboard.com, or just search Mississippi Scoreboard on Twitter. He's got a great article about DJ and about this Greenville Christian School uh, this football team, uh, but they have players everywhere. Uh, it, it's it's hard to fathom the the amount of talent and and their numbers. If I you know just visualizing from the the sidelines when I watch the game against MRA, I'm going to say 25 to 30 total players. They're big up front on both lines. They don't have to play very many, if any, players both ways. That's something that. Coach McClendon mentioned to us that was very important for them. They're not they're not having to play both ways. It's able to keep them fresh. Their up tempo style is giving teams MRA and Jackson Prep now a lot of trouble. They have the young man that came in from um, from Yazoo City that uh, Chris Bell that is a Southern Miss or commit, and he is spectacular. But they have receivers everywhere. And then they have this young man that's a bowling ball. Palmer is his last name and uh, just a tough, hard-nosed runner. They just have a – I was trying to remember, Bill, the last time I remember MRA and Jackson – I mean, excuse me, Jackson Prep being beaten that badly in the same year. I can't remember it. I know it's been 20-something years since prep was beaten that bad. 
the last team to beat Jackson Prep that bad, I believe, would have been Jackson Academy. Yeah, probably would have. Um, they beat them, I think, in the early two thousands by uh, three or four touchdowns. But but that is a a a program that has dominated on the gridiron for years. I think you that know, was the highest score that someone's put up against Jackson Prep in twenty something years. Well, it's the, it was the yeah. third highest of all time, yep. according to uh, according to Robert Wilson. Let's see here in his article, uh, he talks about. Um, let's see here. He talks about that somewhere in his article, but um, it's been a long time. Yeah, they're not used to being scored against like that. No, not no, at all. Not at all. That was uh, that was a shell shot. And when you looked at it, um, you know, I was broadcasting Jackson Academy football, saw some highlights. Uh, when you look, I mean, they, it was just uh, sometimes it just looks easy. Yeah, they were. I mean, throw they throw a swing pass to the right, guy would score, and then they throw a swing pass to the left, he would score, and then they threw a swing pass one time, the guy broke five tackles and scored. So, so it's just amazing what they were doing. And then Jackson Prep could not run against them, and Prep was keying in on Smith as a runner, mm-hmm. and he wasn't and, running, and he proved that he can mm-hmm. beat you through the air, going twenty-seven of thirty-nine. That's an athlete in the 2022 class that has not signed. Uh, so somebody's going to get a heck of a player in D.J. Smith. And he released, released the ball very quickly. He's he, got, he didn't take any time. He Sometimes he would take he would get the ball and then it was just one, one step and it was Well, gone. he's a 6'2", 205-pound yeah. um, quarterback. Yeah, he's got some great receivers and, too. Oh, man, they are, they are <laughs> terrific. Here's what's unique. At the high school level, to see a program protect with five, they will play five down linemen, two in the backfield, quarterback and running back, and they're always going to have four wide. And to be able to consistently protect him. Now, I watched Prep get to him a few times, but he's physical enough sometimes to step through arm tackles. But they protect with five. And it gives teams so much trouble having to go out and defend four receivers like they have that can beat you in space, that can beat you with speed. It's it's absolutely incredible. And to have a have a quarterback, uh, I'll be honest with you, it's a very, very fun brand of football to watch, uh, slinging it everywhere and, and just wide open. And you guys get them pretty soon. Uh, Jackson Academy <laughs> plays them October 1st. Now, yeah. now, the unique thing for Greenville Christian is – uh, they will not see anybody that will challenge them in 3A no. uh, MAIS. They'll be tuning up the whole time. Which is why they requested these games with MRA, Jackson Prep, and Jackson Academy. And so far, they have uh, they have dominated two of the three. Uh, speaking of MRA, Saturday they will host uh, Oakland, Tennessee, uh, 100 program, and that will be on ESPN2. So that's an exciting thing coming up for Madison Regional Academy. Something exciting coming up for us is that we will now be joined in the second hour for the entire hour by Scott Vaughn, an advanced scout for the Golden State Warriors. A ton of knowledge about building basketball programs, athletic departments, and now he's been in the NBA for the last 12 or 13 years So an exciting opportunity here upon further review to have Scott Vaughn. We're going to visit with him 
throughout the entire second hour. Don't go anywhere. You will not want to miss that. More upon further review coming up right after this. Welcome, welcome, welcome back into the Garner Dental Group Studios. This is Upon Further Review. I am your host, Josh Dorman. We are on 106.3 FM, The Fan, 1400 AM. Maybe you're on www.wjqsthefan.com. You can also join us on the iHeartRadio app, radio.com, or the TuneIn Radio app as well. When we started the show, we talked about uh, having long-form conversations uh, with uh, with folks that uh, we felt like could be ver- very relevant to our audience uh, with regards to the subject matter, uh, whether they're a coach, whether they're, um, uh, you know, whatever it is that they do, long-form conversations to talk about culture, leadership, uh, to talk about uh, just specific things to a particular sport. And so we are delighted at this time for the next hour to have Scott Vaughn, a advanced scout now for the Golden State Warriors, uh, has been there since 2018. Previously was an assistant coach with the Phoenix Suns uh, for the 16-17 season. Also served as an advanced scout for the Phoenix Suns from 2013 to 2018. And got his start in the NBA with the Utah Jazz as an advanced scout from 2007 uh, to the 2012-2013 school year. He's also served as a uh, a- athletic director and head basketball coach, uh, as well as cross country um, at the high school level, and started a basketball program for uh, the uh, an NAIA program there in Waxahachie, Texas. Uh, so he's been around the game. He's been around every different level and has a wealth of knowledge and information, not just about basketball, but about leadership, about culture, among other things. Coach Vaughn, are you there? I'm here, Josh. Boy, I tell you. Now, one of the interesting things about Coach Vaughn as well is you hail or have spent some time in the state of Mississippi. Where was that? Oh, yeah. I grew up in Picayune, Mississippi. My dad was a uh, um, NASA guy. So there's a NASA plant down there. So I grew up and graduated in Picayune High School. Then a space the center. The Stennis Space yep. Center is the uh, is where you're yep. talking about, and Picayune is also the the home of Jonathan Bender. He is, yeah, yep. yeah. And now, right down from Picayune, uh, Devin Booker, who uh, who is in the Western Conference, played in the finals. He he was in he was from Moss Point, uh, not yep. too far down from Picayune. Yep, I was with uh, Phoenix when we drafted Booker, so I was with Booker for a couple of years. All right, talk about that. When you say you were with Phoenix when you drafted Booker, what would your role in that have been? Did you advance scout for particular players or just for upcoming games within the schedule of the of the team? Yeah, I, I don't. Um, a lot of the college guys I won't know just because I spend the whole season um, at the NBA games. So I will give some input on free agents um, that are available. And, um, you know, that kind of stuff, if we're looking at certain guys in the NBA that are already there. 
Um, but I, I don't really uh, do a lot. Obviously, I knew a little bit about him, but I didn't know, you know, a lot. So that is um, our personnel scouts and GM, assistant GMs. Those guys are really on top of that for uh, looking at college kids. All right, so tell us what an advanced scout does uh, for an NBA team. Well, we don't sleep a whole lot. <laughs> um, what we do uh, typically, if I took you through kind of a day for me, is um, let's say the season's starting and we're going to play, let's say we're going to play L.A. In fact, we open up with L.A. coming up um, this season. And what I would do is I would go see one of their games within a five-game period of us playing them. Um, so I would go to one of those live for sure, and I would probably do another game on film or see them twice live. And um, what I would do is go, and we have to have a credential to get there. So, you know, they know we're here. They typically set us on the scores table or somewhere around, you know, the floor. And kind of what I'm looking for, first of all, is to get to build their playbook. So my first responsibility is, make sure I get all of their visual and verbal uh, signals um, to make sure I know what they're running um, to make sure so that what I can do is I can build a playbook and I can send that to our coaches so when they make a call we know what they're running we know what their favorite calls are they kind of, we kind of know what their um, tendencies are when they're going to run certain plays depending on who's on the floor that kind of stuff so that's kind of what I'm looking for most is I've got to build a playbook for them. Okay. Um, the second thing I'd say I'm looking for is personnel. So I do a personnel sheet on every person that's on their roster. So, you know, I do the same thing for personnel. I look for tendencies. I look for strengths and weaknesses, where we can attack, uh, who we should attack, um, where we should attack them, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, you know, not let them get to their sweet spot um, to shoot the ball, that kind of stuff. So I'm looking at that. I'm looking at ways we can maybe, you know, get under a guy's skin or, you know, uh, you know, get him a little, you know, uh, off of his, uh, you know, make sure that he's not playing at the at the top of his game. Sure. So those are all things that we're, that I'm looking for, uh, and then I look for matchups of how I think we should uh, play them. Uh, although that is, you know, that's going to be. Uh, the final decision of our coaching staff, but that's just my recommendations of what I would tell them. Sure, sure. You you mentioned if there was anything to get under anybody's skin, and I have to ask this, and I, I have to <laughs> preface this by letting everybody understand that uh, Coach Vaughn, I've, I've known Coach Vaughn for a very long time, uh, and it goes back to all the way to, to my high school days when he coached my, my best friend, my best childhood friend uh, at the high school level. And, and and I have to ask this because he's listening right now. Did you ever see anyone get under David Carl's skin? <laughs> uh, you know, not a lot. He's a pretty even kill kid. You know, he's pretty even kill. He's, <laughs> he wasn't the most athletic guy, but he, he was smart. So um, that was our goal is to try to, you know, see where we can take someone out of the game uh, mentally. You know, so we right. tried to do that as much as we could. Um, you guys were pretty tough, so it was tough to do that. But, you know, obviously we tried to, you know, take the Wilkerson kid out the best we could and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, make him earn it. 
you know. So I think he earned his forty or fifty that he got on us. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, hey, you know, I, I want to ask you about that. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to ask you about your philosophy uh, at the high school level. And so your last high school coaching job would have been the Canterbury School. Is that correct? Correct. OK. Yeah, and that would have school in Soto. Yeah. And that would have been what years? Uh, I think I went there probably in uh, 2005 and was there until about 13. I was there for almost nine years. All right, and that was on the heels of uh, of leaving um, uh, of leaving um, the the college down there in Waxahachie. Um, right, is when I finished Southwestern. Southwestern. Yeah, Southwestern. I finished there and went on over to Canterbury. Okay, perfect. So. What I what I want to ask, and I'll save it till till we come back. But I want to I want to kind of get to has your philosophy of basketball changed uh, when you were in high school? And I you know I don't know if you played this way at the Canterbury School, but certainly um, at uh, down in Waxahachie you did. Um, you you played an up tempo uh, trapping. I, I remember a lot of one three one activity. You, you probably like to shoot the three a lot more than some schools even in that period, so you saw something coming in the game of basketball uh, even even before it, it really got here as the three-pointer really exploded probably over the last 12 to 15 years. But, but I want to I try to find out about how your overall philosophy and view of basketball changed as you went from the high school to the collegiate level back to high school and now uh, fully within the NBA circles and, and what that looks like in your mind. So we're going to talk about that when we come back from the break. I want to remind everyone about Jerry Brewer. He's a trusted choice advisor with Southern Gulf States Insurance Group. You can contact Jerry at 601-952-3525 or at southerngulfstates.com. also want to remind you we are in the Garner Dental Group Studios. That is a collection of 18 dental and orthodontic offices conveniently located across Mississippi. Uh, They have complimentary whitening for new hygiene patients available. You can check out the interactive map at LakeGarnerDentalGroup.com or call 601-271-8710 to find one of their five metro locations or others across the state and region. Most insurance, Medicare, and care credit are accepted. So get in and get your mouth healthy at Garner Dental. We'll be back with more with Scott Vaughn, advanced scout for the Golden State Warriors, right after this on Upon Further Review. Welcome back to Upon Further Review with Josh Dorman. If you'd like to participate in the show, give us a call at 601-366-1180. Welcome back in. This is Upon Further Review. I am your host, Josh Dorman, and we are joined by Scott Vaughn, advanced scout for the Golden State Warriors. And, Coach, we we talked uh, there, finishing that last segment, about uh, I was just curious, as you've gone through the different ranks 
uh, in basketball. How has your coaching philosophy changed from where you started in high school? You were a pressure guy, trapping defenses, uh, probably before the, the three ball really got super popular. You were shooting it uh, to now in the NBA. How has your philosophy changed or has it? You know, I don't think it's changed a whole lot. Obviously, as you get to the higher levels, the guys are are better offensively, and um, so it's a little harder to run, uh, you know, maybe to run a 1-3-1 one, one or, or something like that. But I think the philosophy of, of putting pressure on people offensively and defensively is the biggest key for me. I think you still do that um, at whatever level. I think um, putting, you know, playing at a higher pace than what teams may be used to, uh, pushing the ball every opportunity you get, and then, you know, playing hard nose on defense. And so we wanted, you know, in high school and college, we wanted teams to have to think. So, you know, we changed our defenses up quite a bit, um, you know, just to, just to make them think a little bit. And, you know, we, we spent most of our time on defense and in practices. So just I think just putting pressure on a team both ways is kind of what our philosophy was. Yeah, and when you get to the NBA world, you know, and as you're scouting, uh, there's there's not a lot of success, and 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 pressure is used differently at that level than it is maybe at the high school and collegiate level. Pressure at that level seems to be right. utilized more for pace control. You have the 24 second clock, so you're trying to reduce the amount of time to get into a set, whatever that right. may be, as opposed to maybe trying to force a turnover. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt. Um, now, there are guys that, you know, if we see that their backup point guard doesn't handle the ball real good, we'll, we'll definitely pick him up full court and, and make him work a little bit and not let him get into their sets. But most guys are handle the ball so well, it's very difficult to put that kind of pressure. So, yeah, the 24th, the, the shot clock changes that a little bit. I still like um, – I think we do a pretty good job of putting pressure on – uh, on teams, most NBA teams do try to put pressure on teams offensively, you know, especially off of a missed bucket. Some do it off a made basket, but um, I still like that. You know, I like the pressure on teams, um, make them get back and and have to play defense. Outside of the fact that now you're around some of the greatest athletes in the world, uh, and obviously the, the the great the the greatest basketball players in the world. Uh, what what has what have you seen uh, as the game of basketball has evolved? Say in the last twenty five years, maybe maybe something you like, maybe something you don't like, um, and, and how that's impacted the game itself. Obviously, you know the the different type of athletes that you're around as compared to you know being back at Cornerstone in the nineties. Uh, you know, obviously that's a major difference. But but what else have you seen that's a that's a big change as you've gone through your career? Uh, I, I guess the, the thing that I, that I noticed most, um, in the NBA and even the high level, uh, college nowadays is, um, you know, anybody I talk to are, they're real surprised when I tell them that, uh, NBA teams run plays and stuff like that, because it always looks like it, you know, breaks down into a, you know, one-on-one matchup. And that's, that's kind of what some teams have done. You know, some teams have gone to where, uh, all they want is a high pick so they can get the you know get the defensive match they want um, and they just go one on one and and to me uh, I've just never been a, a fan of that type of game so 
part of the reason I love being with the organization I'm with is because we still truly believe in, you know, setting screens, uh, moving off the ball, um, you know, moving the ball, making going from a, a you know, a, a good good shot to a great shot, that kind of thing. Um, we're really looking to move the ball. And um, so I enjoy being with an organization that really moves the ball because that was my – that's one thing we – did in practices, whether I was at the high school level, college level, we never dribbled the ball more than twice uh, in a practice. If we dribbled the ball three times in a practice, it was a turnover, always, always, mm. um, which is kind of crazy. But uh, it, you know, it taught the guys to, you know, look up, move without the ball, that kind of thing. So I, I love seeing teams that still move the ball, um, but it has gotten to a lot of one-on-one. Uh, isolation games because the athletes are so good. I mean, they're they're great athletes, and it's so hard to defend somebody one on one. So that's probably the main thing I've seen that's changed in the game uh, that I'm not a huge fan of. But you know, it is what it is because teams want to score, and that's the way they score. Talk about the difference in the defensive rules. Um, you know, with with the ability to closely guard at the NBA level. You know, the guy's got to stay out of the paint. You see him tap his foot in and out. Uh, yeah. You know, it's you know at one point it was an illegal defense. Now you've got three sec a defensive three second. Uh, whereas in high school you can teach pack pack line. You can teach you know you can have a one three one where you're running your warrior guy on the bottom. Whatever it is that people do. Yeah. Talk about just the difference between the defensive philosophies. Maybe uh, you know that you would teach as a defensive minded coach, and now that you see when you're scouting an NBA team. Yeah, well, in high school, we we didn't have the greatest athletes, so, you know, we, we kind of packed it in a little bit. And, um, you know, the reason I, I'm sure that they do the three seconds, defensive three seconds, is to open up the game a little bit. And so you can't sit in there and, you know, and, and you know, they want it to be a more offensive game, I'm sure. And it's more uh, fan-friendly when there's a lot of scoring going on. So uh, I'm sure that had something to do with, with putting the – three-second defensive um, in. But, um, you know, I you just have to be a certain type of athlete to make it to the highest level nowadays. You can be a great college player and a great team college player, but if you, if you can't go in and defend, you're in trouble in the NBA because you'll get isolated so much. So, for me, that wouldn't have worked for my, you know, my teams. Um, you know, at a college prep school or even at a small college, it was very difficult because those weren't really the guys I recruited in college. Um, you know, I ended up getting the the guys who kind of bought in, teamwork, that kind of thing, moved the ball. And we weren't great individually defense, but we, we were pretty good as a team defensively. So yeah. we taught a lot of team defense. But, uh, man, I tell you, being out of the – having to stay out of that lane, staying out of the paint uh, – it's tough in the NBA. You know, you talk about the defensive end and specifically the Golden State Warriors. What a lot of people don't understand is as they transitioned from Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr, one of the greatest transitions that occurred was on the defensive side of the ball. And and yeah. in, the, in the NBA, there's so much of that, that that revolves around rotations, right? Yeah, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't around with, with Mark, but, uh, you know, Steve really, that's a big deal to him. Uh, you know, doing the little things right and, and defense is a huge deal to him. I think we started out this year, at the beginning of the year, uh, pretty far down on the defensive spectrum. And then by the end of the year, we were in the top 10 um, 
just because that's something that we really uh, put an effort on, even without you know guys like Clay um, this year, uh, which makes a big difference for us. Um, you know, it's just something that that's a big deal for Steve is uh, the defense and our organization. They really, you know, that's a big deal for him. You've got to have a and great. You've got to have a great NBA story. Something that <laughs> that that just you know one of your games you're scouting or uh, you're in a practice something that that you can share with us. That's just one of these stories that you only can get uh, if you've been where you've been. Share with us a a really cool NBA story here as we've got a couple minutes before this segment ends, and uh, we'll talk some more culture stuff and leadership here in the next segment. What what kind of story do you have for us? Oh man, I you know Josh, I I really I don't know. There's probably too many. Um, I I don't know if there's anything that would be uh, interesting enough for the fans. Um, uh, What's the most special individual performance you've seen uh, when you've been scouting? Oh man, uh, again, there's been so many. I just just watching guys like just watching the. Uh, I, okay, I, I first got into the NBA with uh, with the Utah Jazz, and I was at a game. Uh, and typically, if a scout goes, if I go to one of our own games, which is not often, but typically we'll sit behind the bench of our, you know, uh, during our game. And so um, it, it was probably my first game I ever sat behind the bench for Utah a number of years ago. And um, uh, we had Carlos Boozer. And if you've never tried to sit behind Carlos Boozer before, <laughs> he's, he's, he's like two of me to the side, you know, he's just, he's so broad. And so during one time out, um, I, uh, I got, I looked on TV later, but during one timeout, I'm behind him because I sit right behind the bench and he came and sat down for a timeout and the whole timeout, I couldn't even, I couldn't even look at what Jerry Sloan was writing up. All I kept looking at is I kept looking back and forth at both of his shoulders. <laughs> He's so massive. You know, these guys are so massive. You just don't understand how big they are and how mobile they are to be so big and physical. And I'm sure he's not even, you know, the biggest, but, man, uh, Carlos Boozer was so broad and such a physical uh, specimen. I think I, my, my my mouth was open, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And so, yeah, that was tough for me to focus you, That was early on. That was, my, that was my first year before I got to see other guys. You didn't encounter very many of those at Cornerstone uh, <laughs> or at uh, the Canterbury School. Well, look. DC wants to know if your philosophy in in getting under people's skin or trying to find ways that that may be able to happen as a scout has anything to do with you getting under Rodman's skin when you played against him in high school. <laughs> well, he threw me down a couple of times. Uh, I played against Rodman at uh, in college. So oh, in college, he was at Southeastern. I was at Dallas Baptist, and so. Uh, my my whole my whole uh, objective for that the coach told me the only thing I could do is box him out every time the ball went up. So every time the ball went up, I stuck him, and um, he got a little frustrated. And I got under his skin a little bit. He got a couple of technicals. Uh, I don't. I think he only got one because I was trying to get the other one on him. But um, he definitely took me down a couple of. <laughs> Imagine uh, that. Hey, we're gonna come back with more with Scott Vaughn. We're gonna talk some culture and leadership in the next segment. We'll be back here with more upon further review right after this. 
Welcome back to Upon Further Review with your host, Josh Dorman, on WJQS The Fan. Welcome back in Upon Further Review. We're in the Garner Dental Group studios, and we are joined this entire second hour by Scott Vaughn, advanced scout for the Golden State Warriors, and uh, apparently also uh, uh, got under Dennis Rodman's skin a little bit in college, which is a new story (laughs) for me to learn uh, about you, Coach Vaughn. But uh, let's talk about when you coached at the high school level and, and, you know, from what I saw, uh, all of the guys that I knew that played for you, loved playing for you, uh, you developed a great culture within your program. And and uh, one of the things we talk about on the show a lot is is about the culture of a program. Uh, that can be at the high school, collegiate, uh, or where you are now at the NBA level. Um, when you When you had that culture at the high school level, is that something you transitioned into at the collegiate level and something that you've seen is equally important at the NBA level? Or has that has that kind of changed uh, with regards to the cultures that are created at each level? Um, you know, the, the culture has to remain the same. However, it is a little different because in high school and college, um, you know, it's not their livelihood. You know, they you, you still want to push, you know, your faith and family and all that is first. But at the NBA level, what I had to learn is this was this is their livelihood. This is these are grown men and this is their work. This is their job. So um, it's a different type of culture. I mean, we still have a great culture um, are from from the top down. I think at, at Golden State, I think from our owner to our GM to our assistant GMs are all just fabulous. And when I say creating a culture, um, I think it's a place where um, guys uh, want to come because they're not just players. They're part of a, a community and a family. And, and I think that's, I mean, I, I, I definitely have seen it. Um, and I think that's a big deal when you're dealing with culture is I think players have to know that you you care about them and what's going on in their lives and stuff like that um, to create a positive culture to start with. You know, if the, if the coaches or the owners or whatever don't care about you uh, as a person, then I think that culture is, is difficult to establish to begin with. Um, so, I, I mean, I've seen that at all levels. It's a little different when it's in high school and college, but it's still about, um, you know, treating the guys with respect, they, you know, they'll, you heard it said, they'll run through a wall for you, you know, if they know that they, if you love them. And that's, that's really what it is uh, for me on the culture. So talk about that in your current situation. Um, and, and without mentioning specifics, have you ever encountered a situation throughout your career at any of those levels where the culture was not uh, like what you're discussing? Um, does that culture start? at the ownership level? Does it start at the at the coaching level? Is it a player-driven culture there within the NBA? Uh, where does that kind of start uh, within an NBA circle? Um, at, the NBA, at the NBA circle, I mean, I've seen it to where if it's not started at the top, I mean, it can be okay uh, if you have a strong GM and you have a strong coach. Um but having the support of an owner um, is, is huge. Um, for me, 
at the high school and college level, you know, they kind of just, it's kind of up to the coach. Um, you know, your AD can do so much, but really when I went to like Southwestern or any of the high schools I was at, I was able to just, you know, create that culture that I wanted to create without having to worry about, you know, anybody else. Um, so it's probably a little harder at the NBA level, and that's probably why there's not, uh, while there's some teams that I don't think have the greatest culture in the NBA. Right. But, uh, but I love ours. I think ours is great. And, um, but I think it's probably a little easier to establish culture at a high school or college level than it is at the NBA level. I think it's kind of tough. Yeah, and, and one of the things that strikes me is is through free agency or the draft, it, you know, it's very it's very unusual to have multiple guys like Golden State has. Golden State has had Clay, Steph, Draymond. Uh, you know, they've they've all been at the center uh, of of you know of, of of the Golden State run because they've all been there their entire careers. And, and with the way that free agency is working, when you're talking about developing a culture, if you don't have guys that have been there and bought in and, and invested in the community and uh, treating one another like family, I could see where it, w- it could be very difficult uh, to ever establish a culture because of the constant moving uh, pieces in the, in, the, in the revolving door. Absolutely. I think you're right there. I think that's the longevity of three or four key players that are really talented. Uh, that buy into it and so when guys come in I think they're they're coming in um, you know listening and learning because they're they're um, you know they're looking at these guys that are leaders and and they feed off of them pretty quickly so I think it's a little easier for a team like that to establish a a good culture quickly um, when they're not uh, you know having so many agents come in and so forth so yeah it's definitely a help no doubt that leads into my next question and it revolves around leadership uh and naturally you've run your own programs both at the high school and collegiate level uh you get this at a at a at a at at every perspective and then you've witnessed it at the nba level does the leadership for the, the the for the team itself for the organization um it strikes me as you're gonna be as great as your player leadership is and, and sometimes it can take a little bit different approach at the high school and college level because you have a, a coach that, that can really – the team can take on their coach's personality. But but at the NBA level, is it is it really you're as good as your, your leaders are? Uh, and that's on the floor. You can have a great owner. You can have a great GM. You can have a great coach. But if your leadership on the floor and in your locker room is suspect, uh, you're probably going to have some struggles. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And I, I, one of the things I think has been that I've seen change a little bit over the last few years, especially for us, and you know, I don't too much about it, but um, I think the process of um, the interview for free agents um, has been real important to us. I think, um, you know, interviewing uh, used to, it was like, okay, this kid's real talented. That's great. Um, he fits what we want talent-wise. Well, okay, let's go get him. Um, now I think uh, the process, getting a chance to get to know the, the kid and go through an interview process and um, see what kind of what kind of kid you're dealing with, doing some you know intel background checks, that kind of stuff. I think it's huge um, for getting to know what you're getting into, what you're buying. You know when you uh, when you go after 
mm. um, these free agents. Um, and, you know, there can definitely be red flags for guys that, you know, either don't get along with teammates or they're not good locker room guys or whatever. You know, you hear that, you know, are you, is he a good locker room guy, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's, that's real important, whereas I don't think it used to be in the past. I think it was like, you know, y'all just figure it out. Um, but the interview process, I think, is big these days, yeah. uh, especially for us. Yeah, I think it's big for us. It seems as though you can tell the organizations that that have a deeper uh, understanding of what culture they want to create and, and how they want to go about that. And the process you're explaining uh, really seems to, to, to show why in Golden State specifically, uh, you know, guys want to play there. Uh, and one guy I didn't mention earlier, um, you know, was was Clay Thompson. You know, he's equally a part of of everything that's going on over there. So uh, I want to ask you to play a little game with me for the the last two minutes of this segment. And and you're in a in a world where you're dealing with the greatest athletes, but you're also in a world where uh, this whole process of understanding a player now is starting early and earlier. I was at a, a, a tournament. This is not a joke, Coach. You're going to find this funny. But I was at a tournament with my son, who's 12 years uh, – he'll be 12 years old in October. He just finished the fifth grade. He's starting the sixth grade. And we were at a, uh, a summer, summer league tournament. Um, and we were talking to some other players' parents. And we, we start having people talk about what they're ranked in their class. This is like the class of 2040 or something. Okay, we, we don't even know what year they graduate. Like, how do, we, how do we know where they're ranked? So I want you to play a game with me. Out of five stars, just off the cuff, David Carl, what was he in a, in a five-star ranking? <laughs> uh, probably a one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what about Matthew Culver? <laughs> they're, probably, they're probably both ones, what? I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'll tell you this, I'd take them all day. Oh, no doubt. All right, and finally, you didn't get to coach me, but uh, much to my demise, uh, but what would you have ranked uh, What would you have ranked me as a high school player? Um, you were a good player. The thing I liked about you and David and, and Matt were you guys were all heady guys. I mean, you guys stopped the game. You knew the game. You ate it up. And so, although the – the talent level wasn't what you needed to be to be a D1, you know, college guy. Um, man, I, I would have eaten it up. I, w- I what a nice way of saying. Honor Dental today. Welcome back to a pond further review on WJQS The Fan. Listen to us on the web at WJQSTheFan.com. Welcome back in. Upon further review, we are joined by Scott Vaughn, advanced scout for the Golden State Warriors. And he, if you got, uh, if you were listening in that last segment, we got cut off right before he was about to talk about me being a Division One athlete uh, and player. So we're going to leave that at that and uh, and move on. We, you missed the part where I was a Division One basketball player, but that's okay. Uh, we don't need to brag or anything like that. Um, so uh, anyway. So, Coach, uh, last segment here, and um, just want to to ask a couple things, and and one is about the way that the the, the three pointer has changed the game, and if you could put your future goggles on, you know the the three pointer has changed the game uh, over the last couple of decades, 
Uh, is there anywhere the game can go, or is there anything that we don't see right now that uh, that could potentially be another uh, one of these, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, game changers like the three pointer has ha- has been in the NBA game over the last couple decades? Uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to come up with something. Um, I was actually uh, talking to a rep. I was in Indianapolis this last week, and um, I was. I just was sitting at a uh, an Applebee's or something and had a referee come in and I saw his shirt referee. And so I started talking to him a little bit and, and they, they do a, something with the ABA league, I guess there's a, a league out there that's now the ABA league. And um, he was telling me about a, a new rule that they have and it's called the three D rule, I think is what it is. And um, he said, they're just trying it out, but um, it's a, uh, a rule to where if you like if a, a team scores and you play defense and you're able to pick the ball off before half court, you know in the right. in the back court right. you're able to pick the ball off. There's a little siren thing that goes on at the top of the clock. It's like a little like you're getting stopped by a cop or something. Uh-huh. But um, it goes off and then if you can score in that possession, they add an extra point to your an extra point plus whatever you score. To your and so I started asking him. I was like, "Well, you know, why are they doing that?" And he said he thinks that they're looking at it to um, try to add an, another, you know, to make the games even closer. So, let's say you're down five points and um, you can get a steal in the backcourt, shoot a three. Now you get four points. You know, if you were to get fouled, you actually can have a five pointer. I'm not saying that's happening in the NBA. I just thought it was intriguing. I was intrigued by it in the fact that they're trying to, um, I think, find more ways to keep, you know, if a team's down so many points to be able to get the game games closer. So uh, I thought, man, you know, there's all kinds of innovative ways they can do that. But I thought that was pretty interesting. I liked it because we like full court press. Yeah. And we like, I thought that'd be great for us. But. You know, it's something the NBA doesn't really pick up much in the, you know, in the backcourt. So, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure they'll come up with something, though. That's interesting that you mentioned that um, because uh, one of the things that I'm sure you've heard about, it, it kind of goes along with this theory. It's I think it's called the Elam effect. Um, okay. And it's an ending to a game where um, – you you play to a final score, so you get yeah. to a certain point uh, of the contest, and then instead of playing out a final, uh, you know, the end of a fourth quarter, your your final score now becomes okay, you know, whatever it's the it's the winning team plus whatever it is, 10, 15 points. Right. So if you're up seventy to fifty, then you've got to score eighty five to win. But theoretically, you know, the the opposing the, the losing team at that point could go on a thirty five eight run, and and win right. the game. Um, now, yeah, did they do that some in the All Star game? Is that yes? Kind of what they did yes. I, I thought they kind of added something like that to the All Star game. I don't I don't watch a whole lot of All Star game, but uh, I knew they had some different type of scoring system. So, yes, yeah. yes, and and it creates, you know, when you get into a, a game where somebody's down forty. Um, you know, and, and it cr- it just creates maybe a little bit more interest all the way through. Right. Um, and, yeah. and so that would be another interesting piece. But that is a very interesting rule 
because it does promote two things. It promotes tempo. Uh, it promotes right, especially it, if you're down with you know two three minutes left. You can you know put your best defensive group in, try to get some steals, and see what you can do. Yeah, that would be fun to see. I, I would enjoy even if they were to do that in the summer league or uh, just in yeah. a in a in a trial type situation. That would definitely be some some fun to see. As would the Elam effect and how that would you know potentially interact with with a uh, with a full NBA game. Uh, and those are yeah. obviously things that that you know we can sit here and discuss all day. But there's a lot to making those changes. But that is that's a pretty cool concept that he was talking about uh, with that particular rule. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I thought it was interesting, but yeah, innovation. So you never know. Now talk about you. You know the NBA game is a very uh, is a very innovative offensive game. You've got guys like Kevin Durant that are seven feet tall, handling the basketball and shooting it like a guard. Uh, you know we've seen we've seen. Uh, you know, things innovate over time. I remember I was talking to my son about this. It seems like Manu Ginobili maybe was was kind of one of the first players to do the Euro step, and and then all yeah. of a sudden it just became. Is, is there anything you're starting to see as you scout uh, for individual tendencies? Is there a move that you kind of see uh, that's starting to take hold a little bit, or uh, or is there anything that you've seen that's been a little bit unusual, but you think you might see take hold? Yeah, I think the. I mean, you know, there's always, uh, you know, contradictions on, you know, traveling and, you know, like like with Harden, how he can get the step back and then an extra step back. And, you know, I, and, and I think guys are just, they're finding out what the rules are and then they're pushing them to the limit of, of using them, which is to their credit. Um, but it's having to, you know, guys are having to uh, train differently, you know, for this, you know, this extra hop step back uh, is extremely difficult to defend. Um, but, you know, in our day, that was definitely a travel. Yes. You know, you, you definitely couldn't take that extra hop back. And it makes guys so hard to defend um, when they have that mastered. But, you know, you see guys working on it all the time. You know, I'll go, you know, an hour and a half, two hours before the game, and I'll just watch, um, you know, the guys going out there shooting what they're working on because I want to just pick up on some of their tendencies. And uh, that's one of the biggest things you see. You see guys working on that extra hop, an extra step, and and the euro step. You know, you they work on it. And they work off one off the wrong foot. You know, we would have, you know, went crazy if a guy would have <laughs> shot a right-handed shot off of a right foot. Um, but you know, they just work on all kinds of things now um, that we wouldn't even thought about working on. You know, ten years ago. You mentioned pregame. Who has the most unique pregame? Uh, warm up that you've seen. So they come out what an hour, ninety minutes before the game, um, and and they do their pregame routine. Uh, who have you seen that you would say hey, they just have a, a unique uh, a pregame routine that they do every time as a creature of habit that they come out on the floor? Um, I mean, I'm probably a little biased. I think Steph is probably the the you know the the most watched. You know, he goes through all his dribbling. Um, Dribbling drills, which are just phenomenal. Yeah, and then um, you know he ends up shooting several half court court shots. And then before he goes in, he'll you know back in Oakland, he'd shoot them from the tunnel. I know he shoots them from different places now, but um, it's it's pretty unique to watch to watch him, whether it's in pregame or in practice or whatever, just to see that level of uh, shooting ability and ball handling ability is just 
is really, really neat. But I know a lot of people come to games early to watch his routine, his warm-up, and I think he's one of our last guys to come out. They all have their own time when they come out. Right. He's one of the last ones. So uh, usually fans are already in the building, and they're all watching him. So yeah. he's fun to watch. My son and I, my oldest son and I in New Orleans, had the opportunity to be courtside uh, when oh, he wow. was doing his warm-up. And uh, and he would he would shoot it uh, when he was in the corner. He was four or five feet away from us, and yeah, uh, yeah. and it was just the repetitive motion that he shoots a basketball with is is just unbelievable. Um, he's changed the game himself and and has done a great job doing it. Coach, we are so thankful that you spend an hour with us this evening, uh, sharing so much about what you do, and and uh, I'm thankful for you, and and we wish you great success and and fortune as you move through this year and the Gold State Warriors as well. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again uh, soon in the future. I sure appreciate it, Josh. Take care now. We'll talk to you soon. That's Scott Vaughn, advanced scout for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, man, you listen to him. His that Steph Curry's warm-up is incredible. Uh, Coach Vaughn is an incredible mind in the game of basketball. Uh, he's been in the NBA now for 13 years. Uh, he was also a head coach at the high school level and collegiate level. Uh, but even more than than a terrific basketball mind, he is a terrific human being, a terrific man. Uh, had the opportunity to coach many uh, of my uh, high school uh, friends or, or or friends during that time, and uh, so he is uh, he's just terrific, and we appreciate him taking the time. Want to remind you that you can download the podcast. Simply search upon further review. Uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. want to encourage you to do that if you missed any of that interview with Coach Vaughn uh, and uh, the rest of our show. That's going to do it for tonight. want to leave you with this. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft, soft upon your fields. And until we meet again next Monday night, 6 to 8 p.m., may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next Monday night, 6 to 8 p.m. here on 106.3 and 1400 a.m.